This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking riding in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, we are recording this episode on October 19th. This is the second episode that we have recorded today. She and can't all secrets. I know it. Shh, don't <laughs> tell anyone. And in five days... The Big Ten football season opens up, which means Ohio State will finally play in after almost two months later than normal. And I would normally want to talk about Ohio State football as our chit-chat, but I know you have another farm story. <laughs> we could do both if you wanted. No, no, let's go right to the farm story. Oh, this is not... A funny was not as funny. I guess it is maybe funny. I don't know. Um, I don't know if people even heard the earlier one because your voice got so high and you were laughing so so loud. That's what happened. I squeal and like you can't even understand. We may need to transcribe this that episode or at least the chit chat for that episode. If you think it's bad listening to it, you should watch me when I go into full life. I mean, I, I think it's probably quite entertaining for those who are laughing at my expense. But yes, I'm unabashedly funny to watch when I get going on these ridiculous stories. But anyway, OK, so um, the weather is cooling, like Steve said last week when he made his visit to Texas. And that means that I have not seen snakes for quite some time. They're, they just really haven't been around. And so I've gotten a little bit slack, I guess you could say. And uh, the other day, I was working on this gardening project, and I have this big, massive, like, um, wooden crate that, I hauled off from, it was being thrown away and I hauled it off from like a construction site and I've drilled holes in the bottom of it and I've been slowly, oh, sorry, I hit my microphone. <laughs> I've been slowly filling it with um, organic matter like twigs and, and leaves and stuff that I collect as I'm just cleaning up because there's always trees that need trimming. And so every day I just do a little bit. That's how I get my exercise. And so I've been slowly filling this crate with all of this organic matter. And then the goal is um, when I'm ready to plant my next garden, I'll put actual soil on top of it. And then over time it slowly sinks and it decomposes. And we got all this, it's like composting beneath the plants. And it's a way to fill deep garden beds without having to spend a thousand dollars to do it because buying garden soil is really expensive. So I'm only buying garden soil to cover like the the top six inches, right? So this big, massive crate is sitting there. And I was doing some work around it. Um, We were moving like um, big uh, timbers to sort of build a frame to frame out another area of garden. And on the ground next to this crate was some of the um, like plastic, kind of like a tarp, 
but it was shipping plastic that I'd pulled out of it and I'd thrown most of it away, but there was still some more and it was just laying there. And I'd been chomping around this plastic. Uh, there was like big noises. Like this was a quote unquote work area, dumping stuff into the crate, like a lot of activity. And the only thing I had not done was stepped on that plastic, right? And so I needed to clear the area so that we could get um, a little cart through there. And I leaned over and I picked up that plastic and I screamed, squealed, jumped, ran and shivered <laughs> and everything all at the same time. I, I looked like a complete freaking spastic because right underneath that plastic was a six foot snake. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! and, and, and everyone looks at me, they're like, what is it? And I was like, snake, snake, snake. And and by the time everyone got over there, it it had already slithered away underneath my crate. So I'm like, great, now it's Ugh. living underneath my crate. But the thing is, okay, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm going, okay, it was six six foot snake. Well, then it's not a copperhead because copperheads don't get that big, and we don't have rattlesnakes here. So it wasn't a rattlesnake, and so it, it had to have been a rat snake. If it was a rat snake, it's not it's not venomous. So okay, I don't care. It's the not knowing what it is that freaks me out. So that was <laughs> my story. <laughs> the day that I picked up the plastic and I got it. There was a, such a massive snake right in it. Yeah, I've still got the heebie-jeebies. But anyway, and, yeah. and that, unbeknownst to you, that is one of the great setups of all time for me. Because you were talking about not knowing, not knowing what it is, not knowing what the snake was, and you know, going through this process to try and figure it all out. And when I think about today's topic, which is themes in our writing, it's an, it's one of those things that I don't completely understand. I can kind of chip away at this and this and this and this, and, and eventually come to an understanding that uh, yeah, maybe it's this. It's kind of the same way that you figured out that that snake wasn't dangerous, even though it was going to be uh, annoying having it in your work area for probably the whole winter. Yeah. Okay. I have to let our listeners in on a little secret here. Steve is so amazing at these segues from story into topic. And right before we started recording, I had said, yeah, I've got a story that I can tell, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You can hear it the same time that I tell our listeners. Uh, that might be a little bit of a hiccup for you in your segue I said but let's just see how good you are at this <laughs> and and he's like you know I never really think of that stuff in advance and I'm so jealous of that because I'm not fast on my feet when it comes to like wittiness like that and and so I was really curious to see how how he would he pulled it off he always pulls it off and he for the longest time yeah we're going through there and I got I got nothing I got nothing I got nothing I have got absolutely nothing and then all of a sudden <laughs> you said that and I'm like I hope she's about to wrap up right now <laughs> Okay, yes. Today we're going to talk about theme. And theme for me has been always uh, kind of how Steve just explained it. Just some one of those things that I just really don't understand. Um, it, it's just seemed very intellectual to me. Uh, and, and I've never really gotten what it meant. But that's because I'm very, very literal. And I, um, I was always looking at it from this perspective of, like, you're writing this book about this subject, 
right? I, I was equating theme with subject. And when I go into a story, uh, I mean, it depends on if I'm writing a Monroe book or I'm writing, um, you know, something else. But I'm generally not writing about something as this meaningful thing. Like I'm telling stupid stories and um, they're they're thrill a minute and they they're not meant to be any big moral you know, weightiness, their entertainment. And so generally when I'm writing a Monroe story, I'm looking for two subject matters. One is going to be the location where this story will take place because for me, the the culture of a place, the feel of a place, the language, all of that is just as much a part of what happens as anything else because that's the environment. So location, the setting for it is one. But I'm except for the informationist, I'm not writing about the place. And then so that's not how could that be the theme? You know, travel? No. Um, and then the second thing I'm looking for is sort of the the, the topic, the basis. So like um, in in the innocent, the the cult background was both really the location and the subject matter. Um, in the doll, um, human trafficking was the subject matter, but in a very extreme version, far, far outside what we would see in reality, because I didn't want to make, I didn't want to turn a very real, truly tragic uh, issue into entertainment. So I went way far outside it. Um, in, in the catch, uh, I was dealing with, um, uh, the, the piracy and the shipping, uh, international shipping and piracy and all that. And with the mask, it, the underlying background, uh, subject matter was, um, biotechnology, but the books aren't really about those things. Those are just the background. They're the, the world that's driving the plot line and the locations in which the plot lines are set. And so when I would go back and I would look at my work and I, I try to go, what, what are the themes of this work? People far more, far smarter than me or more in tune with the subject would go, well, you could say the theme was, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. And I, in retrospect, I go, yeah, I, I guess you could. But that's like reading a book after it's already written and then trying to deconstruct it and saying, here's how you write a book. It doesn't work that way. You can, you can analyze it in retrospect, but it's not the same thing as being deliberate about it and following that path when you're creating it. So it, it's theme has always been this thing that I knew it was a thing, but I, I just kind of was like, I guess that's not a thing for me, but I was mistaken. And the reason I found out about this is because when I was working with Steve in going over his material, I was trying to explain how to, why, why something wasn't specifically working, but how to make it work. And I, I think off the top of my head, it had to do with not really having a sense of what the story was about, what was the unifying the cohesive thing that was was pulling all these different elements together. And so then I wrote these notes as like I was trying to explain it. I wrote some notes and I'm going to read a little bit from those notes now because they were sort of like my aha moment 
it was in trying to explain to him what I felt needed to happen for these different elements to to have a form of cohesion that I learned what theme was. (laughs) And and can I just interrupt here before you read that? Because I remember what I was thinking as I was reading through this. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then you you mentioned the idea of theme. And I'm like, oh, so that's what theme is. And I'm like, wait a minute. She doesn't know what theme is. (laughs) I know, right? What? Well, hypocrite. No, um, I I learned it through trying to explain it. I was like, oh, that's what theme is. So anyway, um, I have not gone back over these notes since I wrote them. And I wrote them personally to Steve um, based off of the material that I was reading. And so I might be kind of chopping it up a little bit here just because I don't want to inadvertently um, say something that might give away the story. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember what's in this. So, Steve, if, if we get something you're like, oh, I'd really rather that not be discussed, just stop me and we'll redo or something. Okay, okay. so these are from my notes to him. So I, I said, in the way that plot is the story's action line, theme is the story's emotional line. It's like glue. It's a cohesive constant that bypasses consciousness and speaks directly to our emotions, and it helps hold the story together in a different and deeper level than the way the plot holds it together. So theme works like an emotional map. So in the same way that plot is what keeps the story in action from veering too far off into unrelated tangent, theme keeps the underlying meaning of it all from veering too far off into unrelated emotional territory. And the more complicated a plot gets, the more theme becomes a central part of holding it all together. So in an example of theme, in Liar's Legacy, which is the most complex story I've done to date, Illusion and Sleight of Hand, which surrogate, surrogate, whatever, for foresight, planning, and mental manipulation, are what band the many moving pieces together. References show up in characters' thoughts, in their actions, and in the effect of those actions. References also to theme, references to sleight of hand or um, illusion. They also connect the past, which is the twins to Claire, the Russians to active measures, with the present. So if you look at all the elements of the story separately, there's not a lot of unity to them other than they're all pieces of the same convoluted plot. But because all of them share and the narrative finds a way to focus on illusion and sleight of hand, this becomes a recurring theme that, quote-unquote, unifies them in spirit, so to speak. If you remove the theme, the cohesive constant, you'd get the exact same plot and the exact same story, but it it wouldn't feel nearly as cohesive, nor would it feel anywhere near as rich or satisfying. So theme is what makes the story what it is. And that's easy to say in retrospect, but the truth is finding a unifying theme is what allowed me to force a sense of cohesion onto a fractured story, even when I was skating by the seat of my pants on the plot itself. Theme was my beacon. And so um, I tell him some things about his own plot, and I'm just going to skip over them. And then I told him, I said, I believe Trudy... Oh, Steve, I don't remember Trudy's whole name. There's a book that Steve and I have both read and the last name Truby. of the author, Truby, Truby. John Truby. 
John Truby. Okay. Yeah. I believe Truby described theme as a story's moral argument. And I never understood what that meant until now, as I try and explain why even though and it references something from his story. And in his story, we talk about money a lot, right? So even though money shows up everywhere in this story, it still doesn't work as a theme. And this is because money in and of itself is neutral. It's a tool. And so to say money is the theme is like saying shovels are the theme or chainsaws are the theme. A book may have shovels or chainsaws show up in every chapter, but as long as there's just tools, all they can ever be is objects or talismans. However, unlike shovels and chainsaws, money has the potential to become part of a moral argument. So right now, even though money shows up everywhere, it arrives without any moral argument. It isn't saying anything about anything. It just is. So I give him some more stuff and then I say, but if you built off what already exists, so there was some form of moral argument being made about money, or if your character's focus on money shifted slightly so that his commentary had a unifying sense about it, which also connected to the overall plot, then money absolutely would work as a theme. So that was our discussion, my, my notes to him about theme. And I think for me, the real aha moment in all of this was connecting the moral argument aspect of it. So. Whereas plot is what happens, theme is why the character thinks they're right for what happens. Theme is the, is the viewpoints, the, the statements, the moral statements that are being made about right or wrong. And so, um, you know, every character thinks that they're the hero. We all do as human beings, too. What are our moral arguments? What are the things that make us think, yeah, I'm right here because even though this thing that I'm doing might be considered by some people to be, you know, illegal, immoral, wrong, uh, makes me a butthole or whatever, my moral reasoning for why I am morally correct in doing it is X. Well, that X right there, it needs to be consistent for the character to... Um, for the character to be consistent, their inner moral arguments need to be consistent. And that right there, that X is where you're going to find the themes, the, the subjects that keep coming back. It's the, the emotional side of what's driving the story. So if you look at, and I'm riffing on this, and God, I, I might be just about to step in it here. But if you look at a story like The Doll, right, you could say that, okay, well, it's about human trafficking. And maybe on one level you could say, all right, the theme is human trafficking, but it's really not. That's just the plot line that, that's driving the story. But if you look at the character and what the character's moral choices are being made, her, her moral choices, her moral argument is when is it okay to do wrong to, do, to save someone you love? How, how far am I willing to hurt other people to save someone I care about? That's her moral argument for most of the story. She gets to the point where she draws a line where this is how far I'll go. This is where I can't go any further. I can't hurt people this much more um, to save someone I love. 
and and I didn't know at the time that what I was dealing with was fame. It was something that I was doing instinctually because I instinctually understood the necessity of character consistency and the necessity of keeping the motivations for for where a character was coming from and the decisions that they were making clear. But if I had understood then what I understood now, I would have made it a point to bring it up more often, to tie it back into other things, to make that a recurring theme specifically and articulate it clearly more times throughout And it would have created an even greater depth of story because theme is what creates the emotional richness. It's it's like how I I've talked about our brains, how they seek patterns and and patterns are very satisfying. Um, I mean, sometimes they can get so much that they feel heavy handed and obvious and, and that's a whole other story. But before they get to that point, they can feel very satisfying. They feel they, they, they create a sense of depth and richness. And that's what theme allows you to do. Um, you're using this, the character's moral arguments or the story's moral arguments. Sometimes it's not even the character in my, you know, because it's going to depend in my case, writing these books as I do with the characters that they are. It would be the characters' moral arguments for why they do what they do, but there are some novels that that are written completely differently in which the story itself has a moral argument to be made about a specific subject. It doesn't mean it's the author's opinion; it's what the story is saying about whatever this subject is. So you can take what the story is about, which would be the the subject matter like, you know, biotech or whatever. And if you, if, if the characters themselves didn't have their own moral um, timeline or, or heartbeat or whatever, uh, that could work as a theme. You could make a moral argument and write your story around that subject matter, but it it has to be deliberate, um, a deliberate action And in my particular case, because the characters were the ones whose moral arguments were driving the story, I did I I somehow managed to do it without being deliberate about it, simply based on the instinct of understanding that how important it is for characters to be consistent and for their motives to be clear and also consistent and such. So um, I'd, I'd have to go back like. I'm in the process of reading the Monroe stories. I've only gotten as far as the doll. So that's as far as I can go from recent memory and say, yeah, this is this is how I understand what that theme was. I can see what I was doing here. But as I move forward and I read the rest of the books, I'm going to be looking going, okay, I know I was doing this. What What theme was I driving home here? But I just think that it's crazy. It's like this light bulb going on in my head of understanding what I was already doing, but going, oh, that's theme. And and the thing that tied it all together for me was moral argument. What moral argument needs to be made here? And I, I'd heard those words before. I totally, I, I read them and I didn't get them until I tried to explain why money could be a theme or could not be a theme. And I was like, oh, hi, Steve. 
let me tell you what I just learned today. <laughs> so that that is my discussion on theme. And I don't know, Steve, if you have any questions or some comments or you want to weigh in on this and, and take us further. Yeah, I have uh, a couple of comments. One one thing that I've, I'd read in the writing book years ago is that a lot of times um, we don't know what the theme of the book is until we're done. And then once you can identify it, you can kind of go back and stitch it up a little bit so that it makes more sense to add to add that richness. And I also looked up in um, John Truby's book, The Anatomy of Story. That's the book that Taylor mentioned earlier. He has a few different definitions of theme. They're all related to exactly what Taylor had said. But here's one that he, he refers to theme as the moral argument. The theme is your moral vision, your view of how people should act in the world. But instead of making the characters a mouthpiece for the message, um, it's better to express the theme um, in the actions of the story. And I'm paraphrasing there a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, the whole idea of theme has always been so mysterious to me. And the idea that you wait until you're done to figure out what the theme is never made any sense to me. But it, it all clicked when I read, I read that note. And it's like, oh yeah, it wouldn't take very much to to change this to where money is the theme or there was a, you, you made another suggestion for a theme as well. Either one of those could be, could be the theme of the story. And yeah. uh, so that was a light bulb moment for me where it all finally made sense. And apparently it was a light bulb moment for you when you were writing. Yeah, it, it was, well. a, it was an absolute light bulb moment for me. And, um, what you just said about how that, that thing you read about, where sometimes you don't even know what the story's theme is until you get through writing the story. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree with that because some like, and it might be different for different writers. Well, everything's different for different writers, but like some authors already understand everything there is to understand about the characters, about the story before they even start writing. So if you're an author like that, then I would imagine you already are going to have themes sorted out before you even a word to the page. Even if you don't know that you have themes sorted out, you're going to have it sorted out. Um, but me, my outlines are more like um, a skeleton. It more has to do with how the moving pieces of the story come together. And it has to do with uh, like the, the big picture motivations, the driving factors. But there's a lot of stuff that comes out in the writing. Like when I set out to write Liar's Legacy, sleight of hand was nowhere near nowhere on my radar and neither was um uh visual manipulation or um you know planning foresight uh, illusion any of that it, it wasn't on my radar it was just stuff that came out in the writing and as i'm writing and i'm figuring it out and those those visuals and the feelings start coming to me i realize yeah um i realize yeah this is this is good, and I would keep using it again and again because I could see how this issue applied, and and it it could work in multiple ways. So it can't it showed up in the writing, but if it had showed up at some point in the writing, and then I hadn't picked up on it, by the time I got to the end and I was ready to go back into a second draft, I would have noticed it then. So sometimes that stuff maybe. Like I've I've said before, like I, I write ten thousand words in order to find the thousand that I want to keep because I'm trying to figure out what it is I'm actually trying to say, and it's through that process 
that the moral arguments, the, the motivations, the way that characters are thinking about things or justifying things to themselves or putting pieces of the puzzle together, it's through all of that process for me that the recurring things start coming out. And if I had to sit down and think about it beforehand, I'm not sure that I could. But I don't know for sure because I've never known enough about it to actually try. So I haven't until now. But I think that because so much of the process, so much of the storytelling and the richness and depth of it comes through the process of writing it, that that is where the the thematic possibilities or potential ideas come through. But um, when I read John Truby's book, there was his book and there was another book, I mean, three different books. Um, at the time, there was so much information, and I was struggling so hard to make sense of them that I, I finally just built myself like a story building questionnaire. Like these are the questions. It's on building a. This is my because there's like several wor- several uh, worksheets in the same questionnaire that I built for myself, and a lot of them are come from John Truby's work. So um, this is my building a. Is it premise or premise? Premise, building a premise worksheet. Premise, premise. Yeah, okay. So my first question, the first, and, and these things don't always work for me because I don't I don't even know the answers to some of them sometimes. Like I already have an idea for a story and it's already super complex in my head. And then I kind of got to break it down and make it fit into these things. But I still try anyway. So what, the first question is, what topics are of importance? What matters? What do I want to write about? And the second is, what's possible with these topics? And the third is, what are the pitfalls and challenges with these topics? Fourth is, outline the story's founding idea. And that's usually where I finally get started because, you know, I kind of have a sense of the plot. And then it says, distill that idea into one sentence. That's the premise. That one sentence distillation of the story's founding idea. That's the premise. What is the story's moral argument? And then distill that moral argument into one sentence. That's the story's theme line. What are the potential problems and challenges with this premise and theme? What are the possible options and solutions to these problems and challenges? And what drives the story forward? What's at stake? Why would the readers care? Who would be the story's best character? And who would this character be fighting and why? So that's just to get the premise. And then I have a separate one for building the story itself. Um, and then it goes into character development for the different characters. So um, those I use that to just try and help me find holes where maybe the story is weak or I'm trying to, um, trying to articulate. Because I'm really, really bad at articulating stories. I'll explain stuff to my agent and she's like, yeah, I'm not sure. And I'm like, just let me write it. So let me write the story and then you'll understand. <laughs> it's easier for me to write a 100,000 word story than to go and say, here's what the story's about. Here's what's happening. Anyway, back to the subject of theme. Theme line is to take the story's moral argument or the character's moral argument in my case and distill that into a single sentence and then using that as your guidepost for something that keeps showing up over and over in the story. And that may be the best closing we've ever had for one of these shows where we just kind of wrap it up with a closing statement that encapsulates (laughs) everything. So well done, Taylor. (laughs) Great. I didn't even do it on purpose. (laughs) 
All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening. We will be back in your ear again next Tuesday. See you next week.